Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Life is never dully with Sully, Holden. It's it's certainly not. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of Andor, the final episode of the season, um, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and then a movie that we didn't even consider as an option last week. Um, we were going to do the Fablemans, but then they were not. It wasn't showing at all in Sioux Falls, apparently. <laughs> Hey, um, you guys know the Steven Spielberg guy, this no-name director. Let's not uh, have his movie in town. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I like I w- before you told me I had a time picked out. I was going to go to the movie here in Lincoln and everything. I think I was going to go like the following morning. So I'm glad you fi- found out when you did. Yeah, I was like, um, oh, when should I go to this movie? Like, oh, when are the show times? And just nope. Guess it's not. <laughs> no show times. So we'll see. We'll probably, hopefully, at least when Oscar season comes around, I'm sure it'll be nominated and it'll get a release of sorts. But uh, right now we can't. And then we're like, well, we could do Strange World, but I don't really want to. <laughs> I, don't know. I was like, I, I looked at the reviews. And I'm like, it doesn't look like anybody cares. Nobody has seen it. That movie is bombed. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's unfortunate for them. But we probably just will not review that one. No, probably not. Uh, so instead, we decided to do uh, Bones and All, which uh, is a movie I've been interested in for a while and kind of forgot it was coming out so soon. So, yeah, we'll have that review. Yes, because well, for some reason, our, the theater in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, carried that movie and not the new <laughs> Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> but uh, let's dive right in, Olden. <laughs> That one movie podcast. Tom. First, Jimmy, we have to do the Toms. I suppose we do, Holden. Let's do the Toms. The Toms. The Toms. The Toms. The Toms. Tom's is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw is the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. All right, Holden, I don't think there were really any new trailers of note this week. I mean, we had a new Avatar trailer that I didn't watch, and yes. uh, there was one for White Noise, the new Noah Baumbach movie, but... I mean, oh, I didn't even see that at all. I didn't know there was a new trailer for that. But, but I don't think you need to see it. So. No. Um, but yeah, uh, there were no trailers aside from that. Um, Jimmy, I do want to try something because this week is very light on news. We okay. only have three pieces of news. So let's rate one of them Brokaw, one of them Bombadil, oh. one of them Bergeron. Oh, very interesting. A twist. Yes. Reminds so, me of uh, good old cute win fail from Tabuscus and the glory <laughs> days of YouTube. Classic. Yeah. Um, so I, I I won't be mean. I'll let us change it at the end of the three in case you in case in retrospect one of them is better or worse. But uh, let's. Well, just, I mean, do you know is are these clearly broke broke out Berger and Bombadil or? Uh, no. I well, I I think I know what direction it'll go, but I think okay. it, it's it's not quite cut and dry. All right. So. Well, I appreciate you putting a spin on this, Holden. 
Yes, of course. You have a uh, distinct advantage. Knowing yeah, what the three I do. pieces of news are. <laughs> well, it's not. This isn't a. This isn't a competition. It's not like. I, it's. It's not like I know the answer to this yes. opinion-based question. Yeah, but I mean, you will look less like a fool. Yeah, that's. This is true. Um, maybe I'll just let you guess, and yeah. then I'll give my ratings at the end. Because then I don't. I don't want you copying my answers, Jimmy. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll say mine first. Okay. Um. So first off. Uh, Blade, the movie, the, the MCU movie that has been getting a lot of uh, trouble recently, uh, has a new writer and director attached. Uh, first off, the director is Jan Demange, I believe is how you pronounce it. He directed some of uh, Lovecraft Ca- Country for HBO, which is apparently good, but I haven't seen it. But not good enough to get a second season, right? Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I. Which is weird. I thought that movie, or I thought that show was doing well when they canceled it. I don't know. Bizarre. Um, And then the writer is Michael Starbury, uh, who was the writer of When They See Us, which I looked it up. It was a crime drama miniseries for Netflix directed by Ava DuVernay. I never Hmm. heard about this, but it's apparently some true crime thing uh, that I think got good reviews. So I'm going to go with the Bergeron, Alden. Cool. Uh, yeah, I will also give this a Bergeron, I think. Um, but yeah, at least Blade is moving forward. You know, good for them, and it's, it seems like some talented people behind it. So, cool. I have uh, no concept for Blade at all. So. <laughs> uh, next, the second piece of news, Jimmy, um, is that Harrison Ford is apparently for the opening five or so minutes of Indy Five going to be de-aged because the opening the opening scene is going to be set in 1944 where Indy is going to be fighting Nazis in a castle. Jimmy, just classic Indiana Jones right there, <laughs> fighting some Nazis in a castle. Uh, well, by de-aged they mean they're gonna just paste his deep fake over some stunt <laughs> double because there's no way they're gonna have like an 80 year old man fighting nazis no yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i'm just gonna go brokaw because this movie i i've learned a little bit more about it i think if this is true that i heard but like it's gonna be kind of like 1960s and it's gonna be like the nazis in the space program oh yeah i think i saw something about that yeah and then uh what's his name Werner von braun or whatever his name is the guy who basically helped us get to the moon, who was definitely a Nazi. <laughs> and yeah, isn't he, is that Mads Mikkelsen's character? I don't know. I, it might be like, he's supposed to be like him, but okay. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, that is really cool. Let's, Not, let's have Indiana Jones go to space in, in this movie, guys. <laughs> let's do it. One, one more before he's done. <laughs> get to it before Fast and Furious fully commits to it. Yeah. Um, but I just think that all sounds really cool. Not the Nazis in the U.S. space, what are they doing? They probably have some ulterior motive, I, I bet, for going to the moon. Something's on the moon or something. Sure. <laughs> or they're going to put a missile in one of the rockets or something. Indiana Jones has to stop them. But, I mean, how does that... they got to be going after some old treasure, though. So who Yeah, knows? right. And there's, always, there's always a MacGuffin, an old treasure that they need to get. Maybe there's some old treasure that will, like, power the rocket. Maybe they and need Indiana to find Jones the... goes, no, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> they need to find another crystal skull from some aliens that could help them, uh, you know, get to space. Yeah, seriously. He's like, yeah, this spaceship guy's pretty lame compared to what I've seen. <laughs> 
I can't. I, I, you know, the opening five minutes should just be uh, Shia LaBeouf getting hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, the the um the first movie or the fourth movie ends like them leaving the chapel after Indy mm-hmm. and Marion get married, right? So just when Mutt leaves the chapel, just gets hit by a car. <laughs> the church blows out. up. <laughs> shrapnel, just a huge piece of shrapnel goes through Marion's head. <laughs> and then Indiana Jones just starts punching Nazis. Turns out everybody who was at the wedding was a Nazi. <laughs> That's the opening five minutes. We just wrote it. Tragedy. Oh my god. Who needs how it should? You know who needs the how it should have ended YouTube channel? We should have how it should have started. And this is our yeah. Indy Five start. <laughs> uh, Brokaw Holden. That's where I'm going. Sure. Uh, I will, I'll wait to give my rating just because we only have one other piece of news. But um, last piece of news, and you texted me about this earlier this week, Jimmy, is that apparently yeah. uh, Disney CEO bought Robert Allen Iger is coming back, yep. Jimmy. Um, he <laughs> just <laughs> when John Favreau got out of his cage. Yeah. Get back in, John. But <laughs> you, got yeah, a, bought- you got a couple more Mandalorian seasons to write, John. Get back in there. <laughs> Yeah, um, it wasn't really disclosed why, but uh, the current CEO, Bob Chapek, uh, is stepping down like effective immediately, basically. Uh, the statement that Disney put out said, We thank Bob Chapek for his service to Disney over his long career, including navigating the company through the unprecedented challenges of the pandemic. The board has concluded that as Disney embarks on an increasingly complex period of industry transformation, Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through this pivotal period. Uh, he got <laughs> sounds like he got fired yeah <laughs> he got shafted there sounds was something, like bob they, Iger, they, please come back <laughs> bob shapek was the one that uh greenlit strange world um which is gonna yeah. lose disney a lot of money so he was gonna he was gonna make a trilogy of star wars movies yeah yeah he was next that. in line um <laughs> look i think bob Iger obviously did a, an amazing job of making disney just a very lucrative company <laughs> so i mean how can you go wrong with that um but i look like i mean disney's a massive company that bob chapek i mean i feel like he didn't do that much to i don't know yeah and i honestly they mentioned him like going through what how long has he been ceo it isn't it is he did not <laughs> he was not the ceo at the beginning of this podcast and he's not the ceo now so it's, <laughs> i feel like bob Iger was the ceo before covid broke out though yeah i uh, it might not have been until like midway through 2020 or something Maybe even into 2021. I thought it had been like a year. I feel like it's been like a... I mean, because we had the John Favreau in a cage in Bob Iger's office bit, you know. So it's like... Yeah. Mate, oh, I guess, you know, there have been a lot. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for a while now. So I guess <laughs> it could be like two years. It uh, can't so have been re- more than two years. He retired from the company in 2021. Bob Iger did. Wikipedia is not giving me... So it's been like a right year now. to a year and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, Bob Shapek. Sorry, buddy, you're out. Robert, I guess I'm Robert him, Allen Iger's back in. I guess I'm giving him a bombadil for not 
not making enough money, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Was it Disney Plus they're mad about? Like, I don't know. It's I, I have no idea what they're mad about. I mean, like, sure, Disney hasn't been doing quite as well as it used to, but that's just because of the pandemic, mostly. Like, just theaters and stuff haven't quite been where it's where it was at before the pandemic so i don't know i don't know i don't know what it is maybe he's a bad person or something who knows i don't know but i don't know why anybody would want that job sounds like an insane amount of work if i was bob Iger, i'd be like i have millions of dollars (laughs) i am just gonna stay retired but maybe he's just a workaholic or something maybe he just wants more money i don't yeah he can't well, I mean no like problems, what like I say, what what amount of money could possibly change Bob Iger's like <laughs> standing yeah <laughs> like his uh quality of life you know like, <laughs> yeah oh gosh I'm gonna need another 10 million dollars go on top of my you know 30 million dollars I have I wonder yeah what he's he worth. was CEO for like 20 years or 15 years so Bob Iger net worth years. is 350 million US dollars. Gee whiz. <laughs> what is this like? Why would you continue working? I don't know. The man's 71 years. He looks great for 71, by the way. He really does. Incredible. Especially for being uh, a CEO. <laughs> they always look like decrepit. Like it, it wears on them. But <laughs> like a Sith Lord. He's just enjoying life. Good for him. His salary is 50 million dollars. Holy smokes. Well, maybe I would come back for a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> Rack up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think, okay, so my, are, are you sticking with those ratings for those? Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I'm guessing you might flip the Shapec and the, well, I don't know. I, I'll let you speak for yourself. I w- See, I was thinking about flipping it um, just because, I don't know, de-aging, whatever, doesn't isn't always the greatest even though i am excited for you know nazis in a castle that's classic and but i think you kind of talking about where indiana jones like sounds like it's heading got me more excited so i you know what i'll give that a brokaw i'll give the i'll, I'll agree with you i'll give the robert allen Iger a, a bombadil just for just for laughs yeah just for laughs all right yeah. not funny for john favreau though no no get, he's back in his cage <laughs> all right that's that's the news right then yeah that's it i didn't even see any gaming news i think it's just because it's thanksgiving weekend and everything but yeah not much happened yeah sounds good all right hold on let's talk about should we talk about uh andor first here yeah let's do andor all right andor season one finale spoiler discussion starting right now All right, yeah, full spoilers for Andor. We'll probably be talking in context of the whole season. Um, and, of course, this final episode. Um, but, Jimmy, um, did Andor end as as good as it was before, Jimmy? What I do you think, think it was a solid ending. I, I would say for, like, in terms of, like, the three kind of tentpole episodes of, like, the eye... Um, one way out and then this one Rick's Road I would say this is the weakest of the three in my opinion but mm-hmm. I still think it has moments and it's very it's very solid yeah yeah no it's I mean it does kind of follow the Disney plus uh 
the Disney Plus curse of being one of the weaker episodes, the finale being one of the weaker episodes, as most of their shows, the finale is one of the weaker episodes, but weaker for Andor is still incredibly solid. So (laughs) still, still a good episode. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy with how they tied up some stuff and left things open for this next season. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the ending hits um, mm-hmm. very well. Like, I, I like they nailed, I think the final scene worked, <laughs> which was kind of a bow on Gassian's uh, character arc for the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that hit, and that's what really needed to hit. Um, and I thought, like, the riot itself was pretty good yeah it it was kind of similar to in quality of like in terms of how i think i praised the escape on the on the prison planet and the fact that it felt very like realistic like it wasn't just you you didn't have like burly guys plowing through a couple uh you know stormtroopers or whatever no it was just a mob of people who can like not really break the line of these like riot shield guys but and yeah, and I mean, it, I mean, I guess you could even like draw comparisons to like real events and stuff. I don't know if that's exactly what they were trying to do. Good there, old but Boston massacre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought the riot scenes were really good. I thought the speech that what's her name? What, Marva. What's the mom's name? Marva. Marva. I just get, her and the imperial lady. I just get the names mixed up all the time. Dedra um, Miro. Marva and Marva. Um, but yeah, the speech that Marva gave, it was kind of this nice way of capping off her character since she died off screen and everything. And the fact that she's kind of the inciting person for uh, this riot and everything and the increased rebellion on this planet. I thought that was cool. It was a good speech. This yeah. show's good with speeches. Yeah. I think the Imperials should have opened fire on them <laughs> way faster than they did. Yeah, well, I was, just have like clubs. I'm like, why are they just clubbing them? Why aren't they just <laughs> shooting them? Well, I was surprised it took them as long as they did to like do anything about like because I mean, eventually you have the officer who like covers up the the droid. Um, but I'm kind of surprised it took them that long to do anything about it because it was very clear. Like <laughs> it was very clearly like hinting at you know rebellion and like this disease and whatever and then it just and then it just explicitly talking about the empire (laughs) like Mm -hmm. took him a bit to actually maybe the empire people are just dumb they weren't picking up on the subtleties of the of the metaphor yeah all right before we dive fully into that can we talk about the like the first half of the episode here sure um you got a guy like making a bomb you got the guy who's gonna rat out and or whatever um so (laughs) i started watching this on wednesday when it came out and i was um i had a short window to watch it and i was very tired so i actually (laughs) watched like the first half like half asleep and i'm like i gotta just watch this later so i paused and i literally fell asleep for like 30 minutes um so the first half i'm a little bit fuzzy on so there's a scene with the mon mothma talking to her husband in the the limousine or whatever Mm -hmm. um and she's like accusing him of gambling. Yes. She's like, oh, you get a nice little Canto bite reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that everybody appreciated. Um, and she kind of insinuates that he's been gambling and all this stuff. And I interpreted that. And this is me being 
half asleep but now going back through it i interpreted that as she's kind of she knows that it's not true and she's just thinking that the the driver is listening in on their conversation so she's like planting that idea but that could be i guess that was i feel that scene was one i feel like i wasn't paying full full attention to like i Typically, when I've been watching these episodes, I'll watch it on my lunch break. So I think maybe I was still like getting my my food all together and everything. And that was kind of just I was trying to watch from the other room. Um, But that could be I think if that's the case, that's that's interesting if that's why. Yeah, Um, that's the way I interpret it. But I was like, I don't know if that's right. Um, But then you get Cinta and I can't remember Mon Mothma's cousin's name. Vel? Vel, yeah. I was going to say like Vez. <laughs> Vel, they're talking. They're like, we got to kill Andor. That I guess that's one thing that I've never been fully uh, won over by, that idea that, oh, they really need to kill Andor. Andor's such a problem for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never yeah. felt that really. I was like, I never felt that urgency as an audience member that, oh, man, he's really going to be able to take down the entire rebellion if he talks to the empire well i think like i understand it from the perspective that he you know he was so crucial to this one this whole thing on whatever that planet was called aldani aldani um and so he was very important for that and if he does talk then that throws that whole you know some of those people under the bus and everything so I understand them wanting to kill him, but it is kind of weird that it's such an urgent thing in this show because I feel like in the universe it would be like kill him if you see him or like or like I don't know and maybe not number one priority for some of these people because it's like it seems like they spend a lot of time sitting around and waiting for him to come back to, to Ferrix and it's like mm-hmm. there's nothing you could do to spend your time more wisely. I don't know. I just felt like that could have been translated to screen a little bit better. Sure. But, I mean, at the end, it hits well with the scene between him and Luthen, I yeah. thought. Yeah, Luthen has a... Luthen probably has one of the better arcs in this episode, just on his own, um, because I'm really hoping with that end scene, it's promising a lot more Luthen in the next season. But obviously, we've seen like the lengths that he'll go to to keep himself safe and to keep the rebellion going and everything. But I mean, him him kind of witnessing this riot be birthed from just like animosity toward like the general animosity towards the Empire and oppression and everything like it kind of inspires him mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. Um, inspires him to maybe not be so ruthless about everything and like not be so like like being more trusting of others that they might be able to help him out and all of that i don't know i Uh, liked it a lot though i thought it was and it was also like it was subtly done it wasn't just like him like explicitly saying that he's you know how he's changed and everything you mostly (laughs) see it on his face and stuff yeah no it's like yeah there's actually subtlety to these character arcs which Mm -hmm. imagine that um you we get the whole uh i cannot remember the character's name the guy who dies who wrote writes the manifesto yeah whatever his name was the guy from black mirror oh who's he in black mirror he's in the um is it shut up and dance have you seen that episode yeah or hang the dj is that one or is that different no it's the one where he uh, it's like the the 
like hackers are like making people do things like blackmailing people to do things oh no i haven't seen that one okay that's from like season two or something but yeah he's the main character in that one maybe i oh i think i started watching that one i don't remember anywho we get that and i think it's a pretty good one like it's like uh i love like when he was like tyranny or something takes energy or something like that and it's like it's exhausting because they have to like put on this facade that they have everything under control and it's so easy to kind of crack into that and you know which i was like he's got some points there yeah a lot of speeches (laughs) in this episode you get that one and then of course you get marva's um but yeah i um there you have dedra miro kind of insisting that cassian's alive while the Mm -hmm. other imperials are just happy to kill him Mm-hmm. get the emperor's dirty taste out of his mouth yeah but she wants him alive and i um which is re- right i mean to want that yeah yeah and her reaction to uh what's his name krieger like that whole operation just them taking no prisoners she's just like why why did you do that yeah <laughs> like you get information out of them yeah it's i mean she's she's just clearly like she knows what she's doing and everyone around her is just so distrusting of her and like just don't doesn't believe because she's so new at this relatively to everyone else um and they also just underestimate the rebellion where she does not mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah um, I, it would have been cool to see it i think i was a little bummed we didn't get to see any of that any of what any of the uh the killing of the just the massacre of Antichrist. yeah and I guess, like, it, it kind of makes sense because we haven't really spent... Any, it, like, this is only something we've ever heard about. We really haven't spent any time with Krieger. Yeah, but it could have been a good cold open. Yeah, it would have been. Um, I'm Yeah, I would have liked it, but I also they get... Saved, like, saved a few million not to do yeah. it. <laughs> Budget-wise, yeah. Uh, I, you get Cyril coming back mm-hmm. to, to save the day. I yeah. was so glad that he and Miro did not kiss. I was like, Holy yeah, I was, I was there's a lot of tension it. right here. Uh, it was it was so like you could you could cut that the the tension in that with a knife. It was it was I was fully expecting it, but yeah, I'm glad they didn't either. I just kind of I like how Miro like gets to her just handed to her that entire like <laughs> that entire riot. Like she's been this like very um you know uppity like imperial officer who hasn't really done much action at all this entire time and then just when this riot starts she's just getting like shoved into and like and so i, I mean thought she it, was dead like i thought they were gonna just rip her apart yeah <laughs> i i kind of did too and it's it's kind of this um like we we've talked about our mixed feelings on her just in general it, it kind of that's that scene kind of fulfills both sides where i mean we see her the imperial get the the crap beat out of her but we also see her the character that we've been following get rescued by cyril so it's it's kind of satisfying in both ways he's like just doing my duty ma'am yeah they're gonna be (laughs) they're gonna be allies now 
Yeah, they are. I'm. I am excited for the team up. I don't. I don't necessarily want them to be romantic. I mean, if they do it and they do it interestingly, I'm. I'm okay with that. You don't need I, it. You don't need it. You don't need it. I'm. I'm more just interested to see their very different personalities clash while trying to achieve the same goal. Yeah. Um. Both motivated by the same thing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean. I. I really. <laughs> I thought that was. Very interesting. I was like, I was not expecting this tension. Uh, we get the death troopers back. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, the nice little march with all these space instruments. The space flute. Your space clarinet. Space French horn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, these are just pretty similar to our instruments. <laughs> I like how they're kind of bad, too. They yeah, it, it, felt, it felt like it, these were like it's not like these are people who play it professionally or whatever. It's just kind of the locals, you know, playing for a funeral funeral march. And I think the whole custom where they like turn them into a brick is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's a very interesting custom. Did you hear about this uh, controversy that's going on online about uh, this YouTuber Star Wars theory? Who, no, I I don't. I, so. don't. He, I I think he was like kind of one of those guys at the forefront of like oh, the last Jedi is terrible and all this stuff. Okay. Um, but apparently he said like <laughs> like the bricks in Andor and like how they're like screws when they're like breaking out of like the Narkina Five. He's like these bricks and screws just break my immersion and make like make the show terrible or something what and that was like his big critique of the show so like everybody on reddit on the star wars subreddit has just been like posting memes about bricks and screws what? and this guy <laughs> which is what is what does he even mean by that what i don't know we'll have to just watch the video but everybody's <laughs> memeing the crap out of it right now <laughs> which i think is funny um but yeah, I mean, look, we get the whole riot itself. I thought, I don't know, I just thought it was people just kind of, it wasn't as exciting or something. There wasn't as much a momentum, or it's hard to tell what was kind of happening. Yeah. Because uh, Narkina 5, I mean, it's like a clear momentum we're moving to this one place. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I'm like, where did Luthen go? And then you just see him on a speeder. Where did... Mir- Dedra Miro go like and it's hard to where's Cyril and I mean they pop up but it's like I don't it didn't feel like there were any clear like objectives or stuff I don't know it just was it wasn't as interesting as the other two set pieces that we got in this season yeah it's definitely harder to tell where characters are throughout the whole scene and it's it's interesting because even though it's been building up to it the whole season like you don't have like every character crossing paths with each other like which i think is okay it kind of gives it more of a more of a realistic angle from that perspective like you're not just having andor run into every single person throughout the show you know it doesn't have a standoff with miro or anything like i I think that's okay. Um, I think just having them kind of all there for a similar big event is going to be kind of interesting moving forward. Um, but yeah, it's, I kind of agree. It's, it's not as exciting. I didn't dislike it or anything. Um, and I thought like what action there was, was, you know, pretty well filmed and everything. Um, just wasn't quite on the level of the other set pieces, as you said. 
I felt like, okay, they're here to kill Andor, and they, like, did not interact with him at all in that whole riot. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. interesting. And maybe you could say Luthen was like, you know what, maybe I can be more productive by doing other things than just killing Cassie and Andor. Mm-hmm. So you could explain that's why he leaves. But I don't know, Cinta and Vel, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just need to rewatch it. I, it yeah, just no, was like, I, it just was, it wasn't as amazing as everything else was. You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of why something that stood out. It was like, oh, that was good, but not amazing. Yeah, it yeah, I I agree. Um I'm trying to think what all if I have anything else to say about that like riot or anything. Um poor Bora B to emo, whatever his name is, B. I think that's what Cassian just calls him, right? Yeah, I think he just calls him B. He gets flipped over. Yeah, that poor robot just has has the worst time in this show. Um, poor little guy, but he, he got rescued. Uh, Bix got rescued. Um, yeah, got a, had a whole ship of people that left. We'll see. We'll probably visit them at least once in the next season. But but um, the scene at the end is great with Luthen, Cassian. I I was like, please don't kill Luthen. Please don't yeah. kill Luthen. I was no. very glad that they did not. And Andor seems fully on board to, to help out with the rebellion if he's needed. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna, I'll take one for the team. I do, I know too much. You can kill me. Yeah. Or let me be a part of this. Yeah. He's like, well, shoot, dang, that was the best. That was the best outcome for me. It's <laughs> like, because I really like you. And um, I mean, as as we mentioned, I think last week, it's just. It goes to show, like that his Cassian's growth into being a rebel just works way better than than Jyn Erso oh, and Rogue yeah. One. Like, granted, you have a whole series that you you can have him grow and everything, but I mean, it's not a sudden shift. It's been building up to this this final scene in this season, which it's a shame that you know, too bad Rogue One couldn't have just been the third season of this show. Yeah, for real. Like it would have been so cool if, if kind of Cassian was the main character for most of this, and then yeah, you can have the third season be that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, probably get a little bit more Mads Mikkelsen too. Yeah, I really need to rewatch that movie. I do too. Like I said, I'm gonna wait until after the second season of Andor is out, though. I think I'll just watch it all in chronological order. We'll see. Uh, overall, I mean, stellar first season. If you don't mind my pun, yeah, I, uh, I, I might make the bold statement. I think I like this more than House of the Dragon. It's up there. I, I mean, I've thought that throughout. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard. I mean, I think I would need to rewatch them. I, I don't know. I think the first two episodes of this are just not great. Though. yeah they're they're the least engaging episodes and it is something that turns off people um i know people that have only seen like one or two episodes and they they're kind of like eh, i don't know if i want to keep going but i don't know it's it's just so solid and i think like the first two episodes are kind of unengaging but even then like i wasn't i still enjoy i still liked them i didn't think they were bad episodes uh i don't think there have been bad episodes of this show no i don't think there are uh it certainly looks better i think than house of the dragon yeah yeah 
I agree with that. Um, but House of the Dragon had... I feel like the story of House of the Dragon was very difficult to adapt in terms of all the time jumps. It's true. It's true. But, um, yeah, I mean, they are... The good news is that they're actually somewhat similar shows, <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I, I really like this. Uh, they did just... I, I, I forget, because it's like, is he still looking for his sister? They just kind of abla- abandoned that plot line <laughs> completely, I feel like, after the second episode. Was there Honestly, any hint like, of that? Like, and I, I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they did it, because I think I just didn't think that was all that interesting. But yeah. It's weird that they set it up in the first two episodes, and it's just kind of not mentioned again, except when Marva, in her last encounter with casting, she's like, don't look for your sister. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, it, it's weird they brought it up. I'm not upset that they abandoned it. My guess is it'll come back in season two. You would think so. Because um, if not, it is. I think it'll be more of an issue uh, An issue I have if it does not come up again. <laughs> like, if they just, they, they're like, nah, he's just part of the rebellion now, nothing else. But I, my guess is the sister will be a character of some sort in season two, or it'll tie into the rebellion somehow. Or she's been in the first season right under our nose. She's good old Dedra Miro or Sinta Yeah, or ooh, there we go. What a twist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just was like, hey, that's weird that they just never circled back to that, really, ever. <laughs> Something was a very prominent part. I mean, that was, like, the driving force between, you know, for the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is weird. It's It's, like, almost like the first two episodes feel like a different show. They kind of do, and then yeah, season three or season three, episode three is when the when the rebellion stuff happens. You get Luthen coming in, and yeah. I mean, you could even say that the show almost starts on the fourth episode. Because I mean, like, part I, of, part I of like that the third, third episode. Yeah, I think the third episode's great, but it is kind of the end of that arc of the first three. I don't That's know. That's true. Uh, it's good that they released all three of those at once. I think that was a wise decision. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that way you don't have just one two like two episodes in a row that you're, people are like uh i don't know but yeah i don't know i i so i do think i like this more than house of the dragon i also think this might be the best star wars stuff since the original trilogy i mean i, I i'm not gonna argue with it i think it's a <laughs> fair take to have yeah, I mean, I I know you're you're quite partial to like Revenge of the Sith and everything, uh-huh. but personally, for someone who's not super into the prequels, I think this is my uh, this is my favorite thing since those first three movies. You know, I think it's fair to say it's the best written Star Wars thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't think anything's been better written than it. <laughs> I, like honestly, I mean, maybe the original. I mean, like, but it's just such a different vibe. Yeah, so. and I mean those the original trilogy they don't is, have nuance. No, it's it's very much just a action adventure movie in space and I mean sure there's very a ton of quotable great lines in it, but it's not like it's it's subtle or there's not there's not much to dissect there. It's just pretty much front and center of what you get. Nazis are bad. Yeah. <laughs> space Nazis are not good. Um yeah, so I would say, yeah, best written Star Wars thing ever. There yeah. you go. Official stamp. <laughs> uh, oh, the post credit scene, Holden. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that. <laughs> uh, which I was, could I was like, just, I I watched, so 
was falling asleep the first 20 minutes. I decided to watch the rest of it. Was it Thanksgiving morning before we had to leave? I think I, I, um, yeah, it was the next day, Thursday. So it was Thanksgiving morning. Emily and I went to, uh, went to Montevideo, Minnesota, where her aunt lives to have Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I I watched the rest of it on the elliptical and I, it was great. So, nice. Um, but I was like, I got off, you know, when the credits were rolling. I'm like, dang, this music's pretty good. Like, as <laughs> I'm kind of wiping down the machines and and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I I should say on the podcast, like, hey, you should listen to the credits because I think the music's pretty good for that. And then all of a sudden, it cuts to the post credits scene. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> um, I mean, not a huge surprise that these things are for the Death Star. I don't think I think a no. lot of people saw that coming, but you know it's cool that it's the laser itself. Yeah, and I think the 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 final shot of it is really cool. Yeah, Just kind of the, the deconstruction of that Death Star mm-hmm. kind of looks like the rebellion symbol. I thought, but oh, I didn't yeah, catch I that. I don't think I don't know if it was necessarily going for that, but it's just something I saw. Um, but yeah, it was it was a cool shot. All right. It wasn't a red Yoda. It wasn't our little red Grogu Yoda <laughs> thing. Thank goodness. Um, but highly anticipating season two, approximately two years from now. So we'll we'll be excited for that. Yeah, they're. I think they're starting filming in this next month. So I think they already started. Okay. So yeah, getting going on it right away. Hopefully the screws and nails didn't. Uh, or sorry, the screws and bricks didn't. Turn yeah, you screws off on and it. bricks. <laughs> Uh, I think I'll uh, since I'll I'll still give a rating for the whole season. Yeah, I think I'll give it. this. I think I'll give it like a. I think I gave House of a Dragon like. Did I give it a nine? I think you gave it an eight. Eight. Okay, I'll give this a nine. I was because uh, I feel I want to put it higher. I wasn't sure if I gave that a nine or not because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go nine point five. But yeah, I'll give this a nine for the season. This is just so good. Yeah, as a whole, very good. Uh, it was as good as the trailer promised. Yeah, which who would have thought how uh, that Andor <laughs> would have been amazing? Andor is the best Disney Plus like Thing. Star Wars slash Marvel show of the year. Not even much of a competition at all. I so. would say Andor is just the best thing on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, best series for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough of that. About 28 minutes of Andor talk. So let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We're just going to talk spoilers because, you know, if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, just watch it. It's like 35 minutes. Yeah, it's so very short. <laughs> so just go watch it it's, if you have Disney Plus uh, because it it's the Guardians of the Galaxy only. It's, it's Christmas. So, all right, diving into spoilers of Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. All right, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special spoilers. Um, this is kind of similar to what Werewolf by Night was and the fact that it's a, a holiday special that was more for Halloween. This is for Christmas, um, but on Disney+. Plus, um, This was filmed concurrently with the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy 3, so we have James Gunn at the helm here for this movie, or for this special. Um, got your classic roster of characters. Uh, classic guardians lineup a couple new ones make small appearances here but um yeah 
Jimmy, what you what you think of this? I thought it was a perfectly fine thirty five minute holiday special of the Guardians. Mm-hmm. That was it entertaining enough. My I think my issue with it was I wish they didn't spoil. I mean, like I don't know how you could not have, but it would have been funny to have the Kevin Bacon reveal in the like be revealed in the episode itself. Yeah, it would have because <laughs> that was really funny watching the trailer. But since I knew it was coming, I just didn't. I found the situation. It was humorous and amusing, but I think it would have hit harder if I didn't know it was coming. I agree. Yeah, the the whole them just wanting to kidnap Kevin Bacon would have been funnier. Um, but Kevin Bacon was still funny in this. Like he's he's just kind. Of, I mean, he is playing himself just in this outlandish situation, and um, I think that's just kind of a funny thing that we haven't really gotten in like the marvel universe like everyone all all the famous people just play a character in this universe so now we have an actor from our universe who's also an actor in that one just gets to play themselves i think that's that's fun yeah gets to react to all the the crazy things we see i mean visually it certainly was just as good as the guardians movies yeah yeah i'm guessing I mean, they had all the stuff made for that, whatever was practical, whatever was CG. So there, you know, probably wasn't too much of an extra budget. Probably most of it just went to Kevin Bacon <laughs> getting him on board. But um, yeah, I I mean, the story, you know, is, is sweet enough. It's, you know, they want to help Peter have a, a nice Christmas because they think that his Christmas had been ruined as a kid and everything um good choice to use animation i think yeah save them yeah. money you don't have to worry about casting a young peter quill mm-hmm. you get the stylistic part of it i think you that can was have good michael choice. rooker just do a voiceover for does yondu instead of coming back yeah um yeah that was nice it was pretty i thought it was funny too like when he's just trashing the, the, the christmas tree like i hate christmas that was pretty funny we got a nice little musical number at the beginning mm-hmm pretty funny. yeah this uh, this i mean james gunn well known for loving his music this is chock full of it like oh, yeah. yeah even more so than his i mean i think it's more dense than his like the guardians movies or the suicide squad or whatever because it's like every scene you have like a new song in the background or you ha- there's two main musical numbers in it um the the background songs are never really distracting they're nice not obvious christmas yeah picks. they're like these weird niche christmas songs <laughs> i've never heard i'm yeah. like i was i was thinking i was like i also watched this on the treadmill mm-hmm. um and it was it made it go by fast it was very i thought very well paced it did not yeah. drag at all it was just brisk i'm like oh gosh because they started doing that musical number at the end i'm like oh this is this is over already. this is like the end <laughs> yeah i was like oh yeah that was it i think it was nice because okay so mantis and drax their pairing in guardians 2 was kind of like i think the breakout thing of that like i that's a lot what a lot of people remember being the most the funniest part of that movie just because they're they're so like they're so different from like normal humans and, and how they act but they're also very different from each other so it's just this nice weird alien pairing um so having them kind of be the central focus i think was was very funny I, th- I thought they it, they ran into some very funny situations. I like Mantis gets a lot of spotlight. I, I liked Palm Clementoff's performance as as her. It was good. Yeah, they're both they're both like 
oblivious, but oblivious of different things. Mm-hmm. Like Drax has no, they both don't know how Earth operates, so that's yes. kind of the fish out of the water thing. And they have no one to like center them either. Yeah, <laughs> like they just mind they control have, Kevin like, Bacon. Yeah, usually they have like Star Lord. I mean, granted, they they're never really on Earth, but usually he's like the he's at least you know the human center who yeah, kind of point things. morally right or wrong things. Like Drax, you can't kill people or whatever kind of thing, but. Here, it's just these two <laughs> strange alien people on Earth. <laughs> um, I just realized there's an Eternals reference here as I'm flipping through it on Disney+. Plus. It says, Kingo's Christmas. And mm-hmm. it's... Um, the billboard. Yeah, the billboard. Did you already see it? Yeah, I saw it. Well, good for you. <laughs> I, I, it was just kind of like the, the shot kind of started and it was there. But yeah. Um, they get hammered and go dancing. They do, yeah, which is very fun. And it was uh, funny that they're, you know, they're them seeing all the celebrity impersonators and all that running around and getting paid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I liked that a lot. Um, Man- Mantis just robs that lady. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was That's, funny. Yeah, there, this it's. I mean, I think only a James Gunn can really push the, I mean, not that it's gory or anything, but just some of the jokes take a slight more risks than most PG-13 Marvel movies do. Like, I mean, they just, they rob people. They, I mean, attack there's the police bi- officers. Doing yeah, they job. attack. <laughs> like there's, there's the bit where Mantis thinks that Drax killed like those police officers and Drax is just laughing about it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, jeez. Like this is an interesting time. I, which this. I thought that that scene with the police, I thought was like the funniest part of the movie because there's just something incredibly entertaining. Like Dave Bautista's laughter as Drax is so like infectious and funny. He's just like he's always laughing at like the the worst things. He's, he's laughing at like tragedy. by the bullets. Yeah, <laughs> like getting shot at by the bullets, and so I I was I was laughing quite a bit at that scene. <laughs> She gives them the candy cane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. his Drax wanted the the funny little man. Yeah. <laughs> um them talking about how terrible actors are. Yeah. Finding out Kevin Bacon's just an actor. And I mean it's just like wretched like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was funny. I um Yeah. Oh, there's the there's the one bit um apparently go bots are canon in the mcu now okay um, yeah because the guy's dressed up and drax is just beating the crap <laughs> out of him he's like go bots killed my cousin go bots uh are they're like this transformers knockoff from like, the like 80s. it looks like a it looks like optimus prime yeah it, it is it's a real life knockoff of transformers uh, my dad was talking like He's guessing the reason why they used that just for fun is because probably the license costs nothing. Like, it's just this cheap thing that Disney probably bought the rights off of, so. Mm. Um, Kevin Bacon uh, pretends to be Batman. I was like, okay, the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. And they're like, who's Bruce Wayne? It was Yeah, that was, it was very bizarre. I mean, I guess, like... It's not the first time they haven't they they've like said like Superman or something in the movies before. It's not like they haven't, but it is just weird hearing them mention DC properties. Yeah, but cool. And that was before they knew James Gunn would be the new head or co-head. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now it's now there's another layer to the joke. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they have the whole reveal with Star Lord, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is great. And then, oh my gosh, you kidnapped Kevin Bacon. <laughs> and we find out that it, you know, his Christmas wasn't ruined, and they he got his little Star Lord guns mm-hmm. from Yondu. And then you have the musical that's number, cool. and that's about it. Except, um, well, before we talk about uh, Mantis telling that uh, telling Star Lord that they're related, we can talk about the musical number. Sure. I have anything. I or what? Go ahead. I think I mean I don't really even like I'm going back through and I'm like I remember the first one more than this one. Yeah. I mean Kevin Bacon does know how to sing in real life. Uh so I mean he was he was good in that final one. I the first one I thought the song was actually pretty good. I don't yeah, really remember. Funny. Yeah. I don't really remember the song the second time around. I just watched it like a few hours ago at lunchtime. Um but yeah, I mean yeah, it was it was still good. You didn't have Kevin numbers. Bacon couldn't do that arm thing that the guy was doing in the first song, where Which his arm, arm was what? like spinning around. Oh, I totally naturally. <laughs> yeah, it's like just rotating. It was like pretty impressive. They had this one shot where it does it, but it's like going all the way. Around. It's like dolling around and panning around and whipping around. I'm like, how do they how do they do that with the camera? Okay, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Um, not enough Cosmo, I gotta say. No. They they teased Cosmo, and Cosmo <laughs> did basically nothing. Not enough Other Cosmo. Bringing, bringing the, what's the, you know, arrow mohawk guy, the little dead animal was pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. Um, yeah, uh, Cosmo's voiced by uh, Maria Bakalova from Borat and uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I'm sure we'll get a lot more Cosmo in in the new movie. Apparently portrayed by dog actor Fred. Good on Fred. Fred did a great job. <laughs> Very good boy. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Mantis oh, yeah. is so related can... to Peter Quill. Yeah. Um, so that's just a thing. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's cool. It's. I don't remember if it was mentioned before at all. Um, I mean, obviously, Star-Lord didn't know anything about it, but um, yeah, that's cool. It makes sense. I mean, it was always kind of weird to me that Mantis is just on this planet with Ego like <laughs> for no reason. I mean, and, I mean, she talks about how she's like helping out Ego and everything, but yeah, I guess it makes more sense why she's there now. Rocket has Bucky's arm? <laughs> what? <laughs> how did that happen? Well, that's because uh, I, I don't know how it happened, but like in Infinity War and Endgame, he like he talks about how cool the arm is and how he, he's going to get that arm at some point. But Bucky so still is... has it at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I was like, I... what? Did I forget something? I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, I did forget stuff from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> But no, I just like I want to I I hope that next time we see Bucky in whatever capacity he's just missing the arm. He's like, yeah, this this blue lady just came down and stole it. <laughs> Is this Bucky's arm? <laughs> and then you get a little post credits with them trying to make Groot into a Christmas tree, and they're like, oh, you ruined the holiday special. Guess we'll need another one. So they're gonna make another one. Yeah, I don't know. That's what it seemed to be hinting at. I don't know if they will. I was like, James Gunn's not going to do it, though, right? No. (laughs) I mean, unless he does. I guess there is. Guardians is 2024, right? So I guess No, it's this next year. It is this next year. Huh. 
Well, I don't know then. We'll see. I thought uh, it was a decently good time, Holden. Yeah, it was it was fun. Nothing fantastic, nothing bad in any capacity. Um it's more Guardians of the Galaxy. I I had forgotten how much I I mean, you know, spend these characters are some of the most entertaining in the MCU, if not the most entertaining, and it's been so long since we've gotten you know, a Guardians movie written and directed by James Gunn. So even though they've shown up since then, it's and it hasn't quite been the same. Well, he James Gunn directed those scenes, I write in Endgame oh, and Infinity. I believe he directed the stuff in Infinity War with okay. the Guardians. Maybe I'm just thinking of like Love and Thunder. Yeah, that they were in for a bit, but um, the, I yeah, mean, they're I'm, very iconic MCU characters. It'll be weird when they're not in it anymore. Yeah, I wonder, and I'm wondering if they're just not going to be in it anymore. Or I'm sure, I mean, I'm, a few of them are going to be done, but... The, I mean, they'll all be in it again in 20 years when they get $30 million to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make Guardians of the Galaxy 4, yeah. James Gunn's going to be going around with the walker. I mean, his <laughs> hair's already got the gray, so... Yeah, he's, he's ready yeah. for it. He'll do it, too. They'll they'll do another one in, like, 20 years. Oh, yeah. I think they all like it. Like, I don't think there's... I mean, granted... You don't typically have actors talking about they don't like a project, but I mean, most of the actors seem to enjoy it, especially yeah. like Dave Bautista and Chris Pratt and such. So, yeah. I, um, I really need to rewatch the original. I've only seen it once. So, really? Yeah. I'm going to rewatch both. Yeah, it's been a while since I. I think I've only seen the second one once. And I, the second one is much better the second time, I would say. Okay. I would say that like the jokes that don't land don't bother me as much and the i was like hey you know actually there's good character arcs in this okay and i isn't sylvester stallone in it <laughs> yeah yeah he's a cameo <laughs> uh, i think uh what's her name um michelle yo also is in it who does she play i think she's like part of sylvester stallone's crew mm. interesting holden well we yeah. better get on to our bones and all review though huh yeah, we probably should. All right, bones and all, non-spoiler review, starting right now. All right, uh, bones and all, as uh, the new movie from Luca Guadagnino. I uh, probably butchered that, but it is. Uh, he's the director of Call Me By Your Name and the uh, remake of Suspiria, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is pretty good. Um, anyway, uh, it's a uh, Wikipedia describes the genre as a romantic cannibal road film. I think that's pretty accurate. My favorite genre. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, do you have a synopsis at all, Jimmy? I do, Holden. Okay. Love blossoms between a young woman on the margins of society and a disenfranchised drifter as they embark on a 3,000-mile odyssey through the back roads of America. However, despite their best efforts, all roads lead back to their terrifying past and a final stand that will determine whether their love can survive their differences. Holden, it's the weird cannibal love movie. Okay, it if is. you've seen the trailer, that's what it is. It's got Timothy Chalamet in it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been advertised everywhere. Um, we talked about like the first trailer when it came out because it was interesting. I actually remember like mention. I think we talked about this when it was first announced. Like I, we did. I remember the trailer. Yeah. No, I'm like I'm talking like when they first announced this movie being oh. made. Well, I don't remember I, that. 
I think we might have brought it up, but yeah, it's. I think it's based off of a book as well. I believe uh, so. Yep. Um, but yeah, Jimmy, what do you think of this movie? I liked it quite a bit. I yeah. I don't think it was like amazing, but I had a good time. I I just like movies that are just weird, and I go, <laughs> I have not seen anything like this. And there are scenes where you're like, just uncomfortable. But they're kind of funny at the same time. Like mm-hmm. Ari Aster. Like Ari Aster movies. Got a lot of humor in them. But you're like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I love those. Um, they're not for everybody. This is not a movie for everybody. In fact, I went to this with Emily. She liked it too. But there were people behind us who, like, when the movie ended, they're like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I think you I mean, it's at least very competently made. It's a very cinematic movie. It's oh, got yeah. that really filmic, grainy texture to it. It's mm-hmm. a very pretty movie. It's, um, it's with beautiful. really good performances, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. I I would say the performances are probably the strongest part here. Um, I mean, you have uh, Timothy Chalamet, who is not the main character. I was kind of surprised just because he is, you know, the big name on this. But um, he's more so, I guess, the love interest in this movie. Um, but he's great in this, like he usually is. Um, Taylor Russell is the main character. Uh, she was in those escape room movies. That's I was the like only she other... looks familiar. Yeah. Um, apparently, she was. She's in, in that movie Waves. Netflix's Lost in Space, which I haven't seen. Yeah, she was in that movie from a couple years ago called Waves. That is really good. Apparently, um, I've never heard of it. Yeah, she but was this... great. She was. I. You know, I don't know how she was in, in <laughs> Escape Room or anything, but I'm sure she's better here. I thought you watched <laughs> Escape Room. No. You just had the ending spoiled. Yes. I Yeah, I, I just, I didn't care about it, so I just kind of read what the ending was. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, um, she's make, great in they this. They made two of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what happens at the end of the second one. No spoilers, Jimmy. <laughs> okay (laughs) no i don't care um but no she's great in this her character is very uh, it's it's odd because she's kind of the audience surrogate in a way but she's also just a cannibal (laughs) like like (laughs) it's it's just this weird uh character that we you know we have to sympathize for uh, we want to sympathize for a little bit because she is this you know girl who doesn't know what she's doing kind of coming of age style um but she's, but she's also a, just this cannibal. But who she's eats a cannibal. <laughs> yeah, it's got to eat people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the I think the standout performance is Mark Rylance, who I did not remember was in this movie. So then he was in the movie. I'm like, oh, Mark Rylance is here, and he is fantastic. He's literally only in three scenes of the movie, but he is so good in all three. He plays this character named Sully and won't get much into it uh well three three sequences because the first time yeah. he's around that's a, kind of an extended that's true yeah portion so three, of the movie three sequences and each one he is just so good I I mean Mark Rylance has always been good in things I've seen him in but like this is just the most creepy like disturbing like thing i've ever seen him do and considering his little bit of screen time relative to everyone else i think the fact that he's like the standout performance says something yes um uh, life is never dully with sully 
Um, um, yeah, but as you kind of mentioned earlier, this movie is just gorgeous. Um, it very much evokes, I mean, it, it's set in like the 80s, 70s, 80s, I can't remember which. Um, but it it looks like it was filmed back then. It gave me a lot of, it reminded me a lot of like the Bonnie and Clyde movie as well as Badlands. Um, which are both movies I liked quite a bit and are both about <laughs> couples riding around in the Midwest uh, committing crimes and stuff and uh, in, in around this time period kind of but um, so I, I thought the tributes to those movies were very well done and in comparison I think this holds up alongside those um, yeah I think it's a very entertaining movie i didn't think it really dragged either and it's not a short movie it's like two hours 10 minutes yeah i think part of that is the the formula is that of your average road trip movie so you have them stopping city to city encountering different people along the way and whatnot and so i think that i think the reason why road movies become so popular is because that formula just works really well in terms of pacing like you're constantly leaving introducing new characters not spending too long in one place so i think just that tried and true kind of format works for this film's benefit yeah and i think i like how they like defined the cannibal rules but not Mm -hmm. also they didn't over dwell on things no and they didn't explain everything it was just it, like hey, this is a thing and you're like okay as an audience member and it's just a thing for the rest of the movie yeah it's it's weird it like the rules are explained to you like they're they're kind of explained to like they're not hard set rules but then i mean just as we see it more and more they kind of become more ingrained in our brain like they are like they can't like the cannibals have to eat every so often no matter how hard they try not to or whatever and but it's kind of ambiguous to how often you need to eat yeah yeah what it exactly feels like but i don't know it's interesting yeah and uh the cannibalism scenes themselves they're actually not as many as i was expecting but like this i think something i was reading and i totally agree with this um just about this movie is the sound design in those scenes is so disgusting the sound is much worse than the visual really they don't overdo the visual it's more the yeah there's just like there's snapping there's slurping there's just a lot of it's a lot of disgusting sounds sounds like holden trying to eat some beans yeah with his hands (laughs) which i have seen and there's there's a couple times where it's like juxtaposed by like the next scene or like a very close scene being like them eating regular food and they're ma- they're making like similar sounds while eating that so it's just like disgusting that whole comparison. Yeah, I was very convinced that they just that's all they ate and they didn't eat regular food for most of it and then they were just eating it. I'm like, oh, I guess they do eat regular food too. Mm-hmm. They just also have this part where they need to do this every once in a while. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very solid movie, Holden. I think it's uh, really well done. Great performances. It's original. Yeah. It is. There are a couple standout scenes, um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I it doesn't drag. It's, uh, it's just a fun one to watch with another person, too. I think just yeah. to kind of react to be like, what is, what, this is gross, or ooh, what, <laughs> ew. Um, it's got a nice, you know, this relationship at the core of it, I think is nice. I think they flesh out the characters well, and I, I mean, I just enjoyed it. 
yeah yeah i think it's a pretty great movie um i don't do you have any negatives i'm trying to think of like if i have any <laughs> um i think if i did they'd be more spoilery so okay. i would yeah i might be the same way so i'm gonna refrain from that one but sure um yeah no i thought it was i thought it was good yeah oh and i i do want to mention i thought the music was was solid yes um, it reminded me of the last of us the music. yeah because i mean a lot of it is just like very it's like one person on a guitar like yeah. just <laughs> plucking away or whatever there were a couple times though um i'm trying to think of like what scenes exactly i'm thinking of not that i would spoil but there are a couple times where the music got like a lot more complex or creepy and i was like oh well, i mean at and least there's i some didn't variety even here. notice which is a good sign yeah yeah um but yeah, music in general, great. But um, I'll give this a rating. I think I'll give 8.5 out of 10. I think I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. So who's it for? Do you like weird movies? If so, yes. If you are like, I don't want to watch a movie about cannibals, then I probably wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think it's overly gory if that's going to be a turnoff. Like things no. are implied and you see a little bit, but compared to something else like it's you know i'm not gonna say you're not gonna see anything but it's it's not nearly as bad as it could have been they didn't know overdo it that's not the draw a Um, lot of the blood is just like the characters having blood on their face like there's a lot of the more gruesome aspects are are more hinted at or Or just seen from like a distance yeah like you're looking through another room at what they're doing Mm -hmm. um yeah do you like romance movies you know maybe a little of that uh but yeah like i i think if you just want to see a a movie that you haven't seen before and it's kind of a little weird and you're going to feel a little uncomfortable um it's not scary really i think it's intense at times but not scary um so if that would be a turn off so i just think yeah it's it's not for everybody if no if if those things don't tick the boxes for you then then uh, maybe skip this one yeah but good yes you should see it i think it's one of the better films of the year and should we go on to spoilers holden uh yeah let's do it okay spoilers for bones and all uh jimmy i just now looked over at you and it is very dark in your room <laughs> yes it is because i didn't turn any of the lights on before i started so it just is like a black screen pretty much <laughs> that's funny anyway um yeah bones and all um where, where should we start with the spoilers for this do you think well i mean the beginning is a that just starts with a bang <laughs> i was yeah. like oh my gosh <laughs> okay here we go <laughs> just yeah it gets it gets right into it she just bites off that girl's fingers or tries to and that that's honestly might be the grossest part of the movie like the just kind of see the skin hang on as it is and like the the intense bite mark on there i was like oh that's in the way it's bleeding that's that's the gross that's pretty gross like i thought something was gonna go bad but it would just happen so fast yeah (laughs) like oh they're having this nice little intimate moment there's some chemistry here and oh my gosh she bit off her finger (laughs) bites (laughs) And then it didn't go beyond that. Like she ran away, which I was like, oh, interesting. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, we're just going to kill everybody now. And she's a no, huge yeah, monster. The- it's like, no, she's not. 
and yeah the movie it, it just starts off it gets going even after that scene then you have her her dad leave soon after that um i did kind of like uh, us kind of slowly finding out more about her past um through the tape i know this is it's not like the first time was, a movie has done it through that way but i thought it worked for this especially as a, a road movie um and her just kind of we, we learned that she's had her first cannibalism moment at like age three with a babysitter and that's real gross yeah um, and yeah um obviously the stuff when mark rylance comes that's just great that whole yeah. first sequence of him explaining the rules and and smelling and then he, them like seeing the old lady just slowly dying <laughs> on the floor yeah i mean it was i mean from the very start i'm like all right this guy's creepy the, the house they're going into is not going to be theirs but when they got in there they were like not being quiet so i was like well like either no one is home or he's already killed people or something but i, I think the out the the outcome was actually more disturbing just that he had like already kind of set up camp in this house that he figured out this woman was dying in yeah which is interesting too because i mean he turns out to be your antagonist Mm -hmm. but i mean you know he's like i well i don't kill any other eaters and i don't kill people i just wait till they're dead and then i eat them Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and so it's like okay well i guess he's not entirely evil you know he's kind of creepy he's odd yeah, his hair, the hair rope is just oh god. God, oh, that's a, creepy. The hair, the hair rope scene had like <laughs> had like a hint of humor in it because he's just like your tug on it. It's real tough. Yeah, like, you're not gonna break it apart. Yeah. <laughs> it won't come apart. <laughs> his his character is just played with like almost every emotion like you could possibly like. Just like I guess mostly a lot of humor and like and horror and. Um, I mean, he's he he seems in that first scene to like care her for her at least to an extent. Like he's trying to help her out. He knows he she's new at this, and while he's a creepy old guy, you're supposed to be wary of that. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's he's creepy because he's a cannibal, and I think you can kind of see that in her performance. Like, is this guy actually creepy, or is he just creepy because he eats people? Like, is he creepy outside of that? <laughs> yeah, like because I, I mean, he, like he genuinely is trying to help her. I think. Yeah yeah um but she's i mean rightfully very distrust distrusting in him um just because i mean i would be of an old man cannibal guy who who brought me into his house um yeah and then he just strips down to his whitey tighties and just starts eating that old lady yeah and it the the eating scenes the the couple times we see like people actually eating them it's always weird because it's like I feel like the people that are always shown eating it, it, like they always like look up and it looks like they're kind of embarrassed or something. Like it's it's like this weird. I mean, clearly because they're eating another person, but there's just this unspoken uncomfortableness to it beyond even just the fact that they're eating a person. It reminded me of when Ace Ventura <laughs> eats part of the like zebra or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> and when Nature Calls with the lions, he's just like, eat up, guys. can't let this food go to waste or whatever he says in when nature calls but uh you know that's kind of what you know they dig in and they come up but you know they don't really use their hands they just kind of go in there 
yeah, it's just animal animalistic. Just it's go not like it. it's not like uh, Mads Mikkelsen and Hannibal. He's like makes this five star meal. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I was fully expecting them. I mean, if nothing else, maybe as the film goes on, they they learn some creative dishes or something. Maybe that's just because we watched the menu. I was gonna say, yeah, but um, no, I uh, it was just kind of interesting. They just eat it all raw. Yeah, I and Gordon I like Ramsey wouldn't be pleased. <laughs> um, other things that I I appreciate, like the whole thing with the mom, I. Well, kind of whatever. I was. I think that was the, maybe the least interesting part of the movie for me. I do think it was disturbing that it, it seems like she ate her own hands. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on the outcome of that story. Um, like I, I that aspect, like you said, is disturbing. I think it works well as a you know motivation for our main character. It's a tried and true thing that they want to go see their parents. Kind of adding this weird, creepy take onto it is interesting, but. I didn't yeah, hate it, it. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but it is probably one of the weaker parts of the movie. It's just it it's fine. It kind of just it ends pretty quickly. It's, um, a, it's like they needed a reason for them to go on the road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, um, it does its role there. Yeah. The I did the scene was weird though when she's like reading the letter in the in the uh room with the mom because it like it just so happens that when she gets to the end of the letter that the mom leaps out at her and attacks her yeah like, <laughs> i thought that was that was a little a little dumb but aside from that it was fine yeah um the other scene i really liked was the one with like the other campers or whatever the cannibals <laughs> and how just you had the one just creepy guy with the long hair and he's just wearing overalls. <laughs> That's always a bad vibe. <laughs> and then you find out the other guy's a cannibal just by choice. And yeah. that was like, oh gosh, that's <laughs> disturbing. Like you just choose to do this. And I like how she was like, nope, I'm out of here. Yeah, because like both, both of them are people who are basically cannibals by seemingly like against their will like i mean it's it seems to be kind of a genetic thing of sorts or just kind of something you can't help in this world and so the fact that there's this guy who chooses to do it you know there's there's something wrong something extra wrong there but i liked that whole part of the movie i thought that was a a tense scene around the campfire yeah the uh the long-haired guy with overalls is played by michael stuhlbarg who he He's a good actor. I think he's in some Coen Brothers stuff, but he is really good in the third season of Fargo. He looks so familiar. Yeah, you might, you probably know him from, uh, if you just like Google or go on IMDb, you'd probably recognize things he's in. Um, I thought that was great. I was going to bring up something else. Oh, I mean, they killed the one carnival guy. Yeah. And they find out he has a family. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, I mean, I guess that was nice. Because, I mean, up until this point, they'd just been kind of living high and nice this whole time. And it seems like they'd really only been killing bad people. And it, it, it uh, that was kind of what Timothy Chalamet was trying to do. Because this guy seemed like he was a dick at the uh, at the carnival game and everything. So he's like, okay, this guy's, this guy's no good. Um but then kind of ha- have this reality check. And Timothy Chalamet, he's been at this longer, so he doesn't care as much. But uh, Marin is, is very shaken by it um, just because she hasn't been doing this. But Yeah, I liked that. I liked that a bit, a lot. 
I mean, and then of course at the end we get the final con- confrontation with Sully, mm-hmm. where uh, he's a uh, he was hard to take down, man. He's pretty <laughs> resilient. Yeah, and yeah, he's that whole that whole scene. It was so tense just because it like it was so unclear what like his intentions were in that scene like it was there were bits where it seemed like it could be sexual there are bits where it was just like revenge there are bits where he's just like he need he needs some sick sense of comfort like the character very rightfully so is so hard to read because he's just this insane person <laughs> like um but yeah that's just fantastic him, them killing him and pulling his guts out. Yeah, that was nasty. Gross. That's nasty, Peter. There's my um, Cleveland Brown impersonation for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it ends um, with Timothy Chalamet, who had gotten stabbed in the in the confrontation. He he's dying. It's like. You need to eat me. Also, um, I guess before we get to that bit, um, she finds the hair, yeah, in the bag, and finds out that she had killed his sister, Kaylee. Kaylee, I think. Which that was that was tragic. I was like, for like, I mean, not that she was like necessarily a fantastic character, but I mean, she's clearly just like a positive influence in his life and everything and so and it also shows that sully's broken his rules yes anything can happen now yeah Um, but seeing that like bag of that you know the hairs in on the bed that was like oh crap yeah yeah just (laughs) just this creepy old musty bag um but then yeah then he he wants her to eat him um bones and all as they say bones and all Um, which how do they eat the bones i don't know that's i i was wondering that too i I mean i just eat a femur (laughs) (laughs) like i don't i don't need to know the logistics but i just i i think it's interesting that's like the the pinnacle of of being a cannibal in this world is eating every bit leaving nothing behind um it it was interesting the the whole cannibalism thing. I I think, I mean, it's very possible I could be reading too much into it, but it, I think it's all very much like a metaphor for both coming of age and also just sex in general. It's um, I mean, there there's a lot of talks about like their first time, you know, eating yeah. a person, but they just refer to it as their first time, and mm-hmm. it's very clearly like an intimate thing, and so. Like at the end here, like the most, it's like the most intimate thing that a person can do. Like these two cannibals can do to each other is just have one eat the other person, which is just this sick, disgusting thing to do. But to them, I mean, whatever. Um, and then just as like a metaphor for coming of age, I mean, they're they're all they're both very clearly young, and then you have all these adults around them that are you know sick and have eaten bones and all before so just them growing up and this is kind of the turning point in her life i think even though we don't see the aftermath yeah but it's it's gross i i at first i was more mixed on the way it ended like i like the they do that she ends up deciding to eat him i i think that's an interesting way to take it and honestly not unsurprising but i was like well it just kind of ends after that but I think I'm okay with that because I don't know what else you would do. <laughs> like, 
you'd have her i don't know just can show her continuing her ways after that or getting arrested at some point or what i mean what do you even do yeah it's like almost more satisfying to leave it open-ended i think yeah very sad though yeah yeah he was great they were they they had great chemistry they were a very good couple in this movie so i was like are they ever gonna change clothes (laughs) yeah i was like what are they hauling in those bags if they're it's not extra clothes that's what i wanted to know and then they finally did change clothes yeah she if i felt like she changed her clothes more often like she had a few different dresses she kind of went between but yeah timothy chalamet it seemed like he had like the same kind of shirt and pants on for a lot of the movie (laughs) yeah um i don't know what what else is there a little a little ironic that army hammer was in wasn't in this one but he was yeah (laughs) call me by your name I was yeah that's a lot of jokes I was seeing online like oh, he dir- Luca directed a movie co-starring a cannibal and then decided to make a movie about the experience on set or something <laughs> but uh I think I I think I've said my piece Holden yeah I think I have as well um I guess I the I guess the one scene that we didn't really touch on is the other Mark Rylance scene, the other Sully scene, which oh, yeah. his his little like tantrum he throws after she decides not to go with him. I'm like, this guy, this guy's no good. Calls her the <laughs> c word. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think. How that's does it. he follow them? That makes no sense. Yeah, I was I, like, okay. that's like the biggest plot hole in the movie. That's but, true. Oh well. <laughs> How does he follow them without them even knowing? And like, like in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, name drops of just small Minnesotan towns too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, they got they, they dropped Mankato and Bemidji. I heard both of those, and um, yeah, I I think I guess <laughs> right before we move on, the I think they they captured the Midwest so perfectly in this. Yeah. Like, it i think i saw they filmed it in ohio mostly which is technically midwest and does i mean features some of the same stuff as we have here but yeah it felt like i mean when they were driving through iowa minnesota nebraska it, ve- it felt very at home and never all made it places. to south dakota darn it no they didn't <laughs> kept waiting didn't take a sioux falls trip unfortunately no but yeah fantastic all right i, I liked it a lot very good on to our last segment, Holden. So I'm going to ask you the question, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? What am I doing this week, Jimmy? Um, well, let's see. What did I? Oh, last week, um, or this, this previous week, before Thanksgiving, I did watch uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And how was uh, that? It was really good. I I'd need to watch it. Yeah, I honestly, I think I had seen it when I was real little, but I had seen, I've seen a lot of the show multiple times, and I did not remember much about that movie. It was very good. It's just a completely unique take on, on looking at, like Bruce Wayne's past and Batman kind of him becoming Batman, but through a completely different lens and then got modern day Batman stuff. And of course, Kevin Conroy, fantastic in the role. It, 
it's real good and it's, it's just a brisk like 80 minutes or something it's just a real nice nice watch i really liked it a lot got some good uh mark hamill joker in it as well i didn't remember he was in it but of course if you make a animated li- a theatrical batman movie you probably want joker at some point um mm-hmm I rewatched that movie. I, I previously talked about Deadstream, uh, um, which is I think I don't I don't remember if I have it currently higher than Barbarian, but one of my favorite horror movies, definitely my favorite, just straight up horror comedy of the year on Shutter. Rewatched it with my parents because my dad had already seen it after my recommendation, and uh, but my mom hadn't, so we watched it. And it's only on Shutter. Yeah, it's on Shutter. Is it exclusive though? Yes. Dead streaming. Mm. Um, but liked it a lot. Um, the second time. Um, did I watch anything else? Not sure I did. Because then I just watched Bones and All and Guardians of the Galaxy and all that. Yeah. So that's it for movies. TV. Just been watching some Batman. Watching some Succession. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much it and then game wise just uh been playing a lot of god of war i'm very far in it i feel like i am i feel like i have to be in the last quarter i feel like there has like in terms of the in terms of plot there's probably just a few more chapters but stuff's good there's been some good fights there's been a few additions to a like um like my move set and like general plot and everything it's it's been a very interesting progression through the game so i'm gonna be interested to see what you think um yeah and i i guess while i've been here in lincoln i'm recording from lincoln my parents house right now i've been playing the vr mod for half-life 2 which just came out like a month ago i hadn't had the chance to come here and play it i don't think i'm gonna finish it before i leave here today but i'll play it at christmas time and it is very good it's really it's fun to play through this game i've played through like a dozen times before and do it in vr and it's very immersive you get a rocket launcher in the game and you have to like manually load the rockets into the barrel it's pretty cool and it's just a it's a lot of fun is it community made or did valve yeah community made if you have if you have it on if you have half-life 2 on steam you can just download it for free so Mm right on steam so it's very cool um but yeah oh i i also um uh, for black friday i bought uh goat simulator 3 and how's that uh it is hilarious i mean exactly what you'd expect it is way more expansive and a variety of things you can do in that game than I was expecting. I kind of just got it as a joke, but I had a couple of my friends over last night and we booted it up for the first time and we just played it for a few hours, just screwing around in the city. It's it's a lot of fun. I like it. But yeah, uh, that's it, Jimmy. What about you? What have you been doing? Uh, not much, Holden. I've been mainly just watching the World Cup this week. So of course, that's been the classic majority. Jimmy, classic me watching this major event that lots of people around the world also <laughs> watch. Um, As, didn't the USA and England tie or something? We did. Yep, we got a win against Iran on Tuesday when I'm at school working and can't watch it the most <laughs> of it. So I think I'll be able to see the end. But. Uh, yeah, so I enjoy that big, big soccer fan. So 
still mad at Qatar for making it be in the winter and bribing FIFA and all that. And, you know, and generally just making it apparently a terrible event to attend. <laughs> yes. And having thousands of people die in order to put it on. But beyond all those things, I'm enjoying the soccer. Um, otherwise, played a little bit more God of War, but not the last couple of days, actually. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then I, I watched a little bit more of um, The Watcher on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I would say is entertaining, but not as entertaining as the Jeffrey Dahmer series made by the same people. I saw, like, an episode or two of The Watcher. Just, like, I feel like it had to have been three or four episodes in. My mom was just watching it, and I just caught <laughs> caught a couple. I just sat down and was watching it with her. But, mm. yeah. Yeah, so it's relatively entertaining. It's mm-hmm. serviceable. I guess I'm on a true crime or just crime thriller kick. Yeah. So that's where i'm at holden i think that's it hopefully i'm not forgetting anything Um, all right on to you holden what's next week well next week for the first time in forever uh no tv uh reviews which is kind of refreshing um so we won't have to worry about that we will have for sure a review of violent night starring david harbour (laughs) season's beatings season seasons beatings um yeah i am very excited for that that movie looks really entertaining we'll see if it's any good but um yeah i'm excited for that but um if you want to leave us a request you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on itunes or by emailing us at tauntpodcast at gmail.com or by donating to our patreon i believe that's it jimmy all right until next week then adios pantalones love you that one movie podcast